Right, what a question. What are you hoping for? Do you know? This morning, I want to talk about um, just the title, Heaven Bound, question mark. Now, do you know where you're going? Not where you're going after our service this morning. Not where you're going for your holidays. Not where you're going tomorrow. But a much deeper and more important question. You know, one of the bells in our bell tower has got this inscription on it. I to the church, the living call, and to the grave do summon all. Death, for all of us, is an inevitability, something we cannot avoid. So our passage this morning is uh, well known, especially it's often used at funerals. There's a big funeral this week in West Bromwich, which you probably all saw about on the, the news and so on, the funeral of Cyril Regis, a great footballer and a trailblazer for the black footballers. What he did and uh, his two friends, uh, the three, I forgot what they're called, three degrees or whatever they call them, but the three of them were fantastic witness of what they did despite all the, the way, all the shame and all the spitting they had, abuse hurled at them. Fantastic um, ambassadors, not just for sport, but much more than that. And a few years ago, Cyril um, shared his story with our men's group. Really most uh, enjoyable evening, but a very, very powerful message as well. Because he told us that uh, his friend, his very close friend, one of those three, Laurie Cunningham, was killed in a car crash. And uh, only a few years previously, they'd had a very narrow escape where they'd nearly had, well, they'd had a big car crash and uh, they'd escaped with their lives. But this time, uh, Laurie Cunningham was killed and this really made Cyril think about his own life and the wild living that he was uh, engaged in at the time as a footballer. And Cyril became a keen Christian and he became a keen supporter of something called Christians in Sport, which some of you know about. And recently, only a few weeks ago, Cyril said, when Laurie died, I feared death. Now I fear death no more. Cyril knew he was heaven bound. Now I had the privilege of two wonderful Christian parents who witnessed right up to the end of their lives. My mother was very ill in hospital. The nurse said really that they could give her this extra treatment. They'd already given her various things. They said we can give her this extra treatment. And we said well what purpose will it do? They said, oh, give her a few more days of life. But she was in real pain. And we just turned around to the nurse and said, no, we don't want her to have any more treatment. She knows where she's going. She knows she is heaven bound. And a few days later, my mother died. But you get to that point where she knew that was right. And when my father was dying in a nursing home, one of the carers told me that she woke him in the morning. When she woke him up, he asked her, just turned to her and looked at her and said, am I in heaven yet? Now what a powerful witness that was to that carer. Am I in heaven yet? And there she is, there my father is, sorry, in this care home right at the end of his life. I think he died a couple of days later. I was there when he actually died. But what a witness that was to be able to do that right to the end of the life. Now, Jesus 
knew what was happening with him. He knew, it says in chapter 13, this is on page 1082, or 108.1 in your Bibles, if you've still got your Bibles open, it says in chapter 13 and verse 1, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Jesus knew he was heaven bound. Jesus knew what lay ahead. Jesus knew he would soon be betrayed, be arrested, be tried, be mocked, be scourged, be crucified. He knew that was all what was coming. Our verse of the year says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Do you know what comes next immediately afterwards? Anybody know the rest of the verse 2? That's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. The context talks about, yeah, I can see David nodding his head and one or two others. It says after it, it says, For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus knew he was going through this awful time he'd have to go through, but he knew that he was heaven bound, that he would sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. So in this chapter, Jesus is preparing his disciples for what lay ahead. He's also preparing us. Am I ready? Are you ready? Are we heaven bound? Well, last week, Tim spoke on John 13. He got three key words he used with us, bread, betrayal, and blessing. And he left us with some Bible passages, look up, and one big challenge, which uh, Jesus gave us in verse 34 of chapter 13, a new commandment I give you, love one another. I wonder how we got on this last week. Did we manage to love each other? And now our verse this morning starts, our passage this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled. The message is for the disciples. Their whole world is about to be turned upside down. No death or funeral has yet taken place. The disciples' world had been centred on Jesus for the last three or four years. The thought of Jesus leaving them must have been devastated. And one of their group was about to betray Jesus. A future without Jesus would be a shattering prospect for those disciples. And so it should be for us. You know, millions of people have troubled hearts today. I wonder what worries we've got. If we went round, and I'm sure I could see the hundreds, of, I don't know, a couple of hundred people here, whatever. We'd all got our little bits of worries, haven't we? The biggest top two worries in the UK at the moment are healthcare and terrorism. Those are the top two. But you know, in a third world, despite the chronic lack of food, shelter and health care, they haven't got those things. The top two worries in the third world, in, in much of the poor world, are unemployment and corruption. Very different. Health care, terrorism in the UK, 
unemployment and corruption in much of the rest of the, the world, the poor world. In Britain, about 50% of our population are atheists. No wonder so many hearts are troubled. When we leave God out, what hope do we have? If we haven't got any hope, how can we really have deep, real peace? In Corinthians it says, If for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now not just hope in Christ for now, for today, for our everyday needs, but for the future when we go to be with the Lord. That's where our eyes are fixed on the Lord Jesus. Jesus will return. He has promised that. Verses 2 to 4, again, let's see what it says. My father's house has many rooms. If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Well, Peter's already asked him in chapter 13. He said, Lord, where are you going? And now Thomas speaks up. And I think he speaks up on behalf of all the disciples, really. He's probably the one who's got the courage to actually ask the question. He still didn't understand. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Spell it out to us. Be a bit more clear. What are you really saying? And then this lovely verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this is a staggering claim that Jesus makes. and It's very controversial today. Some people say that really is the height of arrogance. People will say, well, all religions are really the same. People will say that religion has done most of the harm in the world over the past centuries. People will say the world will be far better off if there wasn't any faith, any religions. Now other names, other people, other faiths, other religions, all of them may contain good aspects, but none of them lead to salvation. They do not give entry into heaven. The Apostle Peter backed up the claim of Jesus in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. He said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. An old hymn, which some of you may remember, goes like this. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Now our task as Christians is to tell others the good news about Jesus in a humble and sensitive way. We're no better. We're not saying we're any better than people of other faiths or those with no faith. We all need a saviour. There is no place for arrogance. But there's also no place for compromise. We should be courageous when we state that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. In Revelation, the Apostle John is given a glimpse of heaven. What's it like? 
what's heaven like? We all get these wrong ideas, I think, about what heaven's going to be like. Boring, just singing, uh, on a floating on a cloud all day long, playing a harp and all the rest of it. All the pictures we've got are wrong. They're not what heaven is like. But we have got a picture in Revelation. It says God is sitting on the throne. God's got a scroll in his right hand like an architect. He's got to roll that plan for a building. There it is. And this scroll is very important. It's got seven seals on it. This is massively important. It is important because it contains the plan to rescue the world. It contains the plan that would put creation itself back on the right track. And John, the same writer we got here in John's Gospel, John writes, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now we heard, John's told you about the lion. We expect to see the lion, but it goes on that John sees a lamb looking as if it had been slain. The lamb of God. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and the sins of the world. Now that's a decisive moment in the vision, a decisive moment in all scripture. This is the moment when Jesus appears in heaven after the resurrection. This is the moment when Jesus sits down on the throne with God, his Father. This is a decisive moment in helping to develop our own understanding of the Christian faith. Because the world is not conquered by power, it's not conquered by the lions of this world, it's not conquered by jihad, it's not conquered by military conquest, it's conquered by the Lamb of God who died to take away the sin of the world. The heavenly host in heaven now sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. Check it up. Read chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation when you get home. There's your homework. Tim gave you some last week from Exodus. Now this is your homework. Read Revelation chapters 4 and 5. They are two fantastic chapters of the Bible. There is no other way. There is no other way of salvation other than through the Lamb of God who died for our sin on the cross. God has provided his plan of salvation. There is no plan B. Only Jesus has the right to say, I am the way, the truth and the life. I'm going to finish with uh, really two, two or three little bits actually, but two questions. So think about these questions. First of all, is your heart, is my heart troubled? 
Question two. Am I heaven bound? Now a challenge. We had a challenge last week and the challenge. Where it is? Have we got... uh, Okay, that's it. That was the last. <laughs> Gone on again. Go back. PFC. It says. That's it. There we go. The challenge is to invite someone to come on the next Alpha course. That's your challenge. All right. So little booklets here. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Questions of life and death. Important questions. Why Jesus? That's a little alpha booklet. Now when we come to communion, there'll be the opportunity, I'll put some by each of the communion points. Take your communion, after you've taken communion, take one of those little booklets. Take it, read it. And if you really feel, I want you to pray for one person to come on the Alpha course. We've been asked in, in uh, January and March, there's a lovely new notice on the board, the calendar for the Jesus, um, what they call it, sorry, the uh, Hope 2018, that's on the board at the back. Have a look at it. The challenge last month, we should have been praying for five people. And that carries on, I think, through February. Pray for five people. It might be your family, your friends and whatever. But invite at least one to come on the next Alpha course. Starts after Easter. Dave is leading it again. He will tell you a little bit more about it and what it involves. Now, you don't often have to put your hand up in church, but now's your chance. How many of you in church have been on an Alpha course? Anywhere, anytime. Just put your hands up. Wow, that is good. But, keep your hands up a minute. There's a lot of people here who haven't ever been on one. A lot of people. All right? So, this is a challenge for a church. I don't know how many you can take, but I think my target will be at least 30. 30 people on the next Alpha course. Let's get serious about this. This is a matter of life and death. This is why we do it. This is why we put so much resources into it. All right, just pray. Ask for five people you can be praying about and at least one of them invite to come on the Alpha course. It's not difficult they can just say no, which they often do, because I tried about the last time. I tried about three or four people. I didn't get anywhere. But it didn't mean I don't try again. It might be the same people. I should reach out to them again. Those in church, if you've never been on an Alpha course, come on one, bring somebody with you. That would be absolutely fantastic. Lovely. Lovely. Let's really go for it. Okay, now that's your challenge. So uh, if you want one of those booklets, and when you've had your communion, if you want prayer... You can either have prayer in the prayer room there as normal. We'll get one or two people be praying here. And if you want to go to the back corner, perhaps just in front of the sound desk, you can go there and somebody will go with you and pray there. Or if you want to go and just sit over there where the musicians will be playing by that point, you go and sit somewhere at the front there and somebody come and pray with you. Take one of those little boxes, have a read through. Somebody pray with you. Don't have to wait until you get on the Alpha course because the... Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way is open to all of us as long as we have breath, as long as we can trust and believe in the Lord Jesus and what he's done. Don't have to wait. Don't delay.
I'll finish with this little story. I've probably been too long. I don't know how long I've been, but there we go. A young man called Andrew, and this is out of, sorry, it's out of, taken out of, um, there we are, the Aldrich Par Parish Magazine. That, that couldn't be a better source than that, could it? And uh, uh, you could probably remember it well. September 1949, uh, possibly not, but there we go. And uh, it was done by Reverend uh, R.W. Cartmel. And uh, this is a story he quoted in there, a powerful story. And this is what it comes from. It's taken actually from a book called Pull of the Unseen. Pull of the Unseen. A young man named Andrew, called Andrew had been badly wounded. He lay in hospital fighting for his life, but the doctor knew he would soon die and asked the nurse to stay with Andrew. Now, Andrew was very brave, but he was far from home and he was deeply troubled. Andrew asked, Nurse, will I get better? The nurse's face gave the truth away. I'm dying, but I'm not ready to die. My life is in a mess and I must sort it out. And then he stunned the nurse with this question. What must I do to be saved? And all she could say was, I really don't know, Andrew. I'm not a Christian. He pleaded, I need help. Please pray for me. And again, the nurse had to say, I don't know how to pray. Two lost people far from God. She sat quietly with Andrew and then a God-given thought came to her. There's a Bible here. I could read some of this to you. In a weak voice, Andrew replied, yes, please, I am desperate for help. She opened the Bible to John's Gospel and began to read. She read slowly and clearly, and Andrew listened eagerly. She read of the creation of the world, of how Jesus came and lived among us. She read of a man who came to Jesus by night and got his questions answered. She read of God's love and his promise to meet our needs. She read that God promises that whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. She read these words from chapter 5. Whoever hears and believes in me has eternal life and will cross over from death to life. In a very weak voice, Andrew said, Stop reading. Leave me alone. I want to be with God. The nurse returned half an hour later and Andrew's face was radiant. I now believe Jesus died for me. I believe his promise that I will pass from death into life eternal. And then he added, Nurse, I want you to promise me that you will meet me in heaven. Now you go and rest. You've been the means of my salvation. Thank you. Please write and tell my mother that Jesus saved me at the very last hour of my life. Peace. Peace. Those were Andrew's last words. He knew he would wake with Jesus, the good shepherd who had sought and found his sheep. 
than four years later at a service where Lord A.P. Cecil preached, the nurse gave her life to Jesus. Amen. And we're going to sing together. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me.